David Munshine of the Munshine Group with us. Uh, David, you've been helping nonprofits during this time of crisis. Uh, a lot of them that you work with in the area, New York and New Jersey, uh, are responding to this in, in unique ways because we can't do the same uh, methods that we've always done because of these social distancing guidelines. Uh, what is it like for nonprofits who are trying to help out? Well, it's a, it's a tremendously trying and unprecedented time for all of us, uh, first and foremost. And even though these are unprecedented times and we've never dealt with anything quite like this before, uh, nonprofits are brave and courageous. And those of us who have been around before thinking about uh, everything from 9-11 to the recession in 2008, 2009, thinking about Superstorm Sandy and other natural disasters, and even the presidential election cycles, uh, we are accustomed to raising funds and operating in turbulent times. And so we lean back on some of those principles of practice. And they go to communicating with your constituents, communicating with those you serve, communicating with those who support you. And that's the most important thing, first and foremost. Some of the nonprofits are on the front lines. And we know, first and foremost, the healthcare organizations uh, literally on the front lines. Other nonprofits and human services are feeding people. And they have the, the, the people who chronically need their services. And as the numbers of, of the unemployed uh, continue to swell, then those individuals uh, are joined. The, there's a spike in need. And the nonprofits have, in many cases, there's uh, food pantries and soup kitchens who have gone from in-house serving models with large volunteer ranks where suddenly those volunteers have been sidelined or they have to respond in different ways. Um, Nourish New Jersey is one organization based in Morristown, in Morris County, New Jersey, where the staff had to deal with the loss of volunteers in order to keep feeding people. And so they quickly transitioned to a uh, shift work schedule where three employees at a time would be bagging lunches and arranging to provide that food a different way. So I would say that nonprofits are doing what they always do. They're doing more with less. They're getting by with courage, strength in numbers, and it's, it's been a time when we've seen uh, the leaders of these organizations really step up to the plate. And you mentioned food. Handling that can be challenging, especially when we're dealing with such a contagious virus and people are concerned uh, about the safety of handling food and, and volunteers who want to be of help but don't want to put themselves at risk. How are you managing that? How are nonprofits um, – you know, keeping people safe and getting the food safely to those who need it. Yeah, I think that the most important thing that I've, I, I would encourage all the nonprofits to do that our clients and other nonprofits have been doing is to closely adhere to public health guidelines. And it's, it's been the practice that the nonprofits have been not just focused on taking care of those they normally serve, but like all of us, taking care of our employees and the health and safety of, of their employees is paramount whether it's the employees or the volunteers, uh, to make sure that they're following the public health guidelines and that they're protecting not only themselves, but they're also protecting those who are uh, going to be receiving the food and groceries on down the line. Give me an example of what some of the nonprofits you're working with are, are doing to help out in, in this unusual time. 
Well, Building Homes for Heroes is a tremendous organization, four-star rated, the highest rating possible by Charity Navigator, founded in the aftermath of 9-11. Building Homes for Heroes normally gives uh, homes free of mortgage and property tax uh, to veterans who've been severely wounded in Iraq or Afghanistan uh, fighting for our country uh, for peace and freedom. And that mission continues. But right now, um, if you think about the veterans and their families, uh, those who have um, been traumatized in the past, those who suffer from PTSD, any sort of trauma is a trigger for many of them, unfortunately. Um, and this is certainly uh, meets that definition. Also, many of those individuals are check to check and um, you know, there's a reason why they needed a charitable organization to grant them a home. And these are very special homes. These are homes that have been retrofitted so that the kitchens and the entryways and the levels, if it's a bi-level, that, that the veterans uh, can make use of these homes. So Building Homes for Heroes has stepped up to the plate, acting even quicker than the federal government to send a check for $500 to the families that it has, it has been supporting who need it the most. And so they've gone out to their community with a special online appeal, asking for funds to support that effort, and in addition to seeking support from their, their corporate supporters. Um, so that's just one example of a charity that acted on the faith that their, their donor community would find a way to continue to support them through all this. And they didn't have time to prove that um, and wait for the money to come in from the donors. They just went ahead and decided that they needed to act and let their, their beneficiary community of our veterans know that they've got their back and they'll worry about, um, you know, bringing in the support from the donors. And fortunately, that's going well. And Building Homes for Heroes is, is open for business, accepting those charitable contributions today. And is Building Homes for Heroes able to construct any homes? I, I know that a lot of um, construction has been halted, but are they uh, on the uh, essential services list? That I don't know if they're on the essential services list. Uh, the home granting program is largely on hold. However, they did make a special arrangement to send keys to a home recipient that was about to be awarded a home in a special live ceremony. And the ceremony will be deferred at some point later when all this is over. Um, there will be an opportunity to have that wonderful community event. What has surprised you about the response to this health crisis? Is there something that you saw that um, is unlike anything that we've dealt with before? I know there's been a lot of comparisons to 9-11, uh, Superstorm Sandy, as you mentioned, in terms of um, that response from officials, from organizations, from groups that came out of it. What surprised you about this pandemic that's just uh, that stands out compared to the others? What surprised me the most about this pandemic is how we've heard that the virus doesn't know geographic boundaries. We've heard that the virus doesn't know timelines. Uh, and, and that's certainly true. So this virus uh, also doesn't know wealth and poverty. So, you know, whether it's the family that relies on uh, Nourish New Jersey or Project Self-Sufficiency or a tuition grant from Mustard Seed School in Hoboken, or whether it's billionaire James Dolan, owner of the New York Knicks, it just doesn't matter. 
so it's been, uh, unfortunately, in, in many ways, um, but potentially um, an opportunity for all of us, a great equalizer. And I think that, again, when all of this is over, what the great parallel is our environment. One of our clients is Monmouth Conservation Foundation. Monmouth Conservation Foundation was just about to start the most ambitious fundraising campaign in its history and fairly asked the question, what do we do now? But the environment, there's, there's plenty of people talking on social media and in the news about the connections you can draw between a global pandemic and our concern for the earth and climate change. And so now all of us have been a witness to what happens when there's a concern that too many of us don't take seriously for too long, and then there's a reckoning. And we've also seen the tremendous power from one local community to another, and one city and town and state, and one nation to another, what we all can do so very quickly when we all agree that something is a priority. You can see it on satellites from outer space. Our footprint has been so dramatically reduced that we can only hope that we can take from this experience an opportunity to cause meaningful change in the area of climate change. And that's why a campaign for an organization like Monmouth Conservation Foundation, not only should they continue, but it's more important than ever. David, a lot of people are looking for an outlet to help out, and you're, you work with nonprofits 24-7, but a lot of people are now saying they want to join an effort, they're home from work, they have time, they're looking for ways to help out. What do you tell those people who are looking for that outlet to, to be of some use to, to people who need it? Yeah, we've seen a surge of volunteerism or a transfer of the way people volunteer. So volunteers who used to serve food at the soup kitchen are now driving, again, following public health protocols, but arm in arm, uh, an organization in Princeton and Trenton, they are delivering to doorsteps. And they've seen a surge in volunteers who, when they go out to get their own groceries, they can drop off a few bags of groceries for people who can't get out or who are high risk and don't want to get out in that way to go to the grocery store, um, who used to go to, go to the, the food pantry to get their, their daily bread, if you will. So I think the other thing is calling people. You know, um, social distancing right now is the ultimate act of community and people who have more time on their hands than usual, who are sitting at home, we're seeing sort of like the return of phone banking, you know, and we are thankful that people still have their landlines in use or that we have their cell phone numbers. Because in our business, we would say, well, nobody picks up their phone anymore, but people are picking up their phones. And so volunteers and nonprofit staff members and the board members of nonprofit organizations, uh, we're calling our donors. We're calling the people who benefit from our programs and we're just checking in. You know, these aren't necessarily fundraising calls. We're genuinely concerned to know how our people are doing. Uh, especially if they're investors in our in our organization or if they're people who need our help even under the best of circumstances. And so these calls, the opportunity to deepen 
and add meaning to relationships, uh, that's something that we're going to carry forward because so much of the time when you're in a fundraising project, you're erring on the side of making that ask. And sometimes, frankly, uh, you're wishing that some of the, some of those phone calls had happened to a greater degree. So the opportunity to value our donors and not just their donations is a wonderful volunteer opportunity. And I just encourage anybody out there listening, if you have some time on your hands, if you're feeling unsettled, if you're looking for something positive to channel those emotions and that energy into, call some of your favorite charities, call any of the organizations that we've mentioned here today, and ask them what you can do to help. And it may help you um, even more than it helps them. David Munshine of the Munshine Group, thanks so much for what you're doing for our communities here, and thanks for taking the time to chat. Thank you very much.